Greetings and welcome to the Christmas Extravaganza podcast for Different Church. How's it going? If you are looking for Different Church, if you are looking for Christmas, if you are looking for Extravaganza, you are in the right place. My name is Jarrett and I just want to say I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this the night of the 20th. It is about 11.30 right now. Today was a super cool day for Different. I just want to say thank you to everyone who was a part of it. Thank you to everybody who came out in person and sang songs and listened to our awesome speaker, Raina Boston. And thank you to the band. Thank you to Hannah and Josiah and Baby Nova who were there in person today. How cool is that? And thank you to anyone who tuned in online. And last but not least, thank you if you're listening right now for the first time. I want to tell you about January 3rd. That is going to be an epic day for different. Uh, First and foremost, there is no preaching that day. We're going to have a service, but instead of preaching, we're going to have music. And then we are going to have a magic show. Um... You may or may not know this. There are magicians who regularly attend our church. And uh, we told them they have to do a magic show to celebrate the fact that 2020 is over. (laughs) So Chris and Ryan Zubrick, uh, you may or may not know them, but they're magicians. And they are going to do a magic show on January 3rd. And I am so incredibly excited. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Please make plans to come out, hang out. And um, soak up some magic. We're going to have <clears throat> some fun singing songs that day. And then, uh, I don't know. Like, we'll see what they have planned. I have no clue what to expect other than I'm pretty sure it's going to be awesome. Also, on that day, this is double, super, triple, awesome, cool. <laughs> We're bringing back coffee. Black Crow is a really super cool coffee shop that's like literally next door to our building. We have their coffee and we're going to bring it back starting January 3rd. Uh, We do ask that you would still wear your mask uh, if you're not in the middle of drinking. So if you bring it to your seat and you're having a sip, sip away and then uh, mask back up so that you can sing and keep everybody safe. So as I mentioned, we have a guest speaker today. We are still operating without Hannah. Um, she's going to be taking at least another couple weeks off and then she'll be back. So today we had a really awesome guest speaker. Um, I say guest, but she's not a guest. She's, she's one of our very own, uh, Raina Boston. She is super cool and I'm so excited to give her the opportunity to kind of share what's on her heart with everybody. And I think you're really, really going to love this episode. Um, she's actually spoken at uh, different once before. The first time it was for an event we called Biography, where we had about six different people come up and tell stories. And that was a really cool event. And hopefully, I feel like we should do another one of those pretty soon. So anyway, that was her first time speaking. And this podcast episode is her second time speaking. This is actually my second time speaking at Different Church. The first time was in February. Do y'all remember February? There were no masks. Corona was a mere blip on the radar. Um, I was so young and full of hope and optimism. (laughs) And then March came, and y'all know the rest. 
Now we're coming to the end of what feels like the longest year ever. In a few days, we're going to get to turn the page on this eventful year, but before we rush to wish good riddance to 2020, if I can get that sentence out, let's chat a little bit about Christmas. Unpopular opinion alert, Christmas is probably my least favorite holiday. Anybody else? Okay, one Scrooge, that's awesome, I like it. <laughs> um, I actually prefer Thanksgiving. You know, the prerequisite of stretchy pants to facilitate my carbo loading for my extreme sport of napping. Nobody else? Okay. Um, as an Enneagram 3 and recovering overachiever, perfectionist, and procrastinator, Christmas is just a little bit triggering for me. I always want to get the perfect gift that elicits just the right reaction, but of course I wait till the last minute, cue the stress, overwhelm, and frantic Amazon priming, uh, which might not bail me out this year since the USPS is in disarray. Um, but thank God I'm married to Travis, who picks up my slack. Everybody say hi to Travis. Hi, Travis. My perception of Christmas is also probably also colored by how I grew up. My mom's refrain at Christmas was always, it's Jesus's birthday, not your birthday. <laughs> Um, and I really think that was just her way of getting out of buying whatever was the hot holiday toy that year. Um, she certainly used it as a get-out-of-jail-free card in 1998 when the 1998 holiday teddy Beanie Baby was not under the tree. I'm not bitter. I digress. In a year that has been filled with colossal loss, tragedy, a pandemic, economic insecurity, and, of course, murder hornets, I feel like I've been a lot more reflective and also just trying to make meaning out of this year um, and make, make meaning out of what has felt so uncomfortable. Um, and I wanted to take a look at Christmas and also begin the process of reframing what Christmas means to me. So I began by taking a look at the story of Christmas. Y'all are familiar, I'm sure. Two Middle Eastern beloveds, Mary and Joseph, are pregnant with their first child. Here's the thing, though, though, there's a little bit of baby daddy drama. Joseph isn't actually the father. Mary was a virgin, but there was this whole immaculate conception thing, and God was actually the father, and the story goes like this. So it begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee. The angel went to a virgin, promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, You are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. She was startled by what the angel said and tried to figure out what this greeting meant. I would be too. The angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant, give birth to a son, and name him Jesus. He will be a great man and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king of Jacob's people forever and his kingdom will never end. Mary had questions. She asked the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. Therefore, the holy child developing inside of you will be called the Son of God. 
Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. This angel is delivering all kinds of news that I don't know is good, but okay. Um, and people said she could not have a child, but nothing is impossible for God. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you have said happen to me. Then the angel left her. So Mary's pregnancy fulfilled the words of the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So back to the story of the beloveds, Mary and Joseph. They were engaged. They were living separately, as one does at those t in those times. Um, and when they came back together, Mary explained the situation that, you know, she was pregnant. Joseph wasn't the father. God was actually the father. Um, and understandably, Joseph was shooketh and also contemplating divorce <laughs> until he had a dream in which Maury, I mean an angel, comes to him um, and Matthew chapter 1 verses 19 through 21 says this. So there's a lot of dreaming happening. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take her. Take Mary as your wife for what is conceived in her is through Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When he woke up from his dream, Mary followed through, or Joseph followed through on the angelic direction and took Mary as his wife. But he had no intimate relationship, intimate relations with her until she gave birth to the son whom he called Jesus. Crisis averted, Mary avoids death by stoning. A few months later, they have to go to Bethlehem in order to take part in the census. So in those days, nobody was knocking on your door for the census. You couldn't fill out an online form. The government wasn't shortening the time for you to get yourself counted. You just had to get to your hometown. So she, I can only imagine that a very pregnant Mary was super jazzed about traveling 70-ish miles via donkey to get to Bethlehem. So they clip-clopped to Bethlehem. Mary is big and pregnant. There's no room at any of the inns, as you all know. The only place with vacancy is a stable with barnyard animals for sweet mates. I don't know about you, but that's not really how I want to be spending my last few days of pregnancy. And since this story is getting more and more telenovela-like by the second, this is when and where Mary gives birth to baby Jesus. So meanwhile, God is sending angels to tell some key players about the birth of Jesus. First, the shepherds who were tending their flocks, and then my personal faves, the three wise men, aka the magi. The magi follow a star to find Jesus to worship him and present him with gifts. Coincidentally, I don't know if you've heard in the news, but this is the same Bethlehem star that is appearing tomorrow, um, and it's actually uh, a conjunction of three planets. 2020, y'all. <laughs> Every novella needs a villain. So there's Herod, who's the king of Judah. He links up with the wise men on their journey to find baby Jesus, and he says, listen, let me know where this baby is. I want to worship him too. Um, and the, the magi are wise. They're three wise men, so they know that that's not at all what Herod is up to. So they know that Herod is planning on killing Jesus, and what they do is they plan to take a different route home um, to throw Herod off. So this is where the story gets interesting, at least in my mind. 
I mean, as if this telenovela isn't interesting enough. <laughs> the Magi get to Jesus and present him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold represented virtue, frankincense represented prayer, and myrrh represented suffering. These symbolic gifts are why we give gifts at Christmas time. However, I think our culture has done a really good job of trading the symbolism of giving gifts for consumerism. Cue my fr frantic Amazon priming. <laughs> the Magi were bestowing Jesus with physical gifts, but they also had the spiritual meaning, which I just shared. Similarly, God gave us Jesus as a gift. Perhaps what is most significant is the gift of the divine coming down in human form so that we could be made in his image. When I think about the gift of the divine coming in human form and our being made in his image, I think of the fact that God equipped each of us with unique gifts that are facets of his personality. What if this season and beyond, the most Christ-like gift we could give is to bestow our unique gifts to others. Isaiah chapter 60 verses 1 through 3 says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Here, we're more familiar with verse 3. In this season, we're often pointed to Isaiah as he prophesied the Magi bringing these gifts to Jesus. But if you go back a couple of verses, you see Isaiah calls us to shine light in the darkness. Darkness is over the earth, and Isaiah calls us to shine. Remember also that we are called to reflect God, God's light. Conferring our God-given gifts to the world reflects God's light in the darkness. Can we agree that 2020 has been dim at best? What if we genuinely and freely poured our talents and reflected God's light into this dark world? What would that look like? I have a personal story that I'm gonna interject here. A few years ago, I heard a rabbi speak about Kabbalah. I'm super into mysticism. If you couldn't tell, I'm like very into the magi, into the dreams, all of the supernatural stuff about the Jesus story. But in that talk, I heard Rabbi Label Wolf say that we are here to confer our unique gifts to others. That's it. That's the tea. That's why we're here. Hearing that, changed everything for me, and it changed how I showed up in the world. I started writing, which is one of my unique gifts, and sharing not only the good parts of my life, but also the struggles and the messy. I started talking about my mental health and my experiences with postpartum depression and anxiety. I shared about grief in the wake of my dad's passing. And the way that has evolved is into and how I've channeled this is into my unique gift of writing and occasionally share oversharing on my internet platform, The Working Mantras. In my little corner of the internet, I write transparently about marriage, mothering, mental health, um, and each week I share a mantra or a mantra. See what I did there? 
um, and stories that then connect back to that mantra. I have not been immune from the effects of 2020. This year has been excruciating at times for me, and perhaps the hardest hit was my marriage. This summer, I shared candidly about the implosion of my marriage, our separation, and our reconciliation. And this is not something that I necessarily wanted to share, um, but I also felt God calling me to write about that in this season. Um, I just felt a very strong pull to not share the good parts or the highlight reels, or I love my husband so much, he's the best at Christmas. Um, I really wanted to share our struggles. So the response to that was almost overwhelmingly positive. In that, I got a lot of, me too, I'm struggling, we've been separated before, let me talk to you about how I navigated that. Um, just a lot of connection in which, in a, a time where I felt very disconnected and very scared to share my truth and wondering how people might judge me for sharing some of the struggles that we experienced. But remember that gift of the myrrh and how it foreshadowed suffering? My sharing candidly and openly about my marital struggles was not without some suffering um, on my end. Some of our friendships, especially with friends that we know through religious communities such as church, were a little bit strained and some of them did not make it through this season. But the connection that my husband and I have had as a result and the connection that I felt to others, whether I know them in real life or I don't know them at all and they're sending me a DM from New Zealand has really outweighed any loss or suffering. You've heard me talk about the Enneagram. Every time I get up here, I also talk about, I talk about that. And one of the ways that I've leaned into my unique gifts is by learning more about the Enneagram and studying that. For the uninitiated, this is an ancient personality typing system that is having a bit of a cultural moment. The mystics in each major religion claim, lay claim to the Enneagram. Nobody knows where it came from or how it originated. Um, but there are nine different archetypes or personality types that each of us falls into. In my studying, one of the most beautiful interpretations that I've heard is that the nine types are nine different aspects of God's personality. And you can think of it as a mirror that is shattered. And so there are nine different shards and they each reflect God's personality. And that by deeply knowing and embracing who we are and what our gifts are, that we're actually embracing God. That's actually bringing us closer to God. When we embody who we are and share our gifts with the world, we act as a window into God, which gives others permission to show up fully as themselves and in turn reflect the God that resides within them to others. So maybe your gift isn't writing about your failures and missteps on the internet. That's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, maybe you brew an amazing cup of coffee, or you're really good with kids, or you're good at taking people's temperature at the door. Could you suffer a little less sleep on Sundays in order to confer those unique gifts to others and serve in church? It's a shameless plug, Jared. In a culture, in a season that tells us that we have to give the perfect gifts in order to be loved, in order to receive love, 
And as we creep towards the new year, new me BS, can we consider embodying more of who we already are, which is who God always intended us to be? Can we be so confident in our gifts that we are willing to share them with others? Can we use those gifts to serve others? When we feel like we're not enough, can we remind ourselves that we've been carefully crafted from God parts and that when we confer our unique gifts to others, we're actually reflecting God? As we close out this year and prepare for a hopefully less chaotic 2021, I hope you consider the unique gifts that the Creator has bestowed upon you and that you choose to reflect his light by readily conferring your unique gifts to others. So I want to take a minute to pray. This is impromptu. I haven't written this down, so I'll try not to ramble. Dear God, thank you so much for bringing us together in this space. Thank you for allowing Jared and Hannah and the team of volunteers to confer their unique gifts of others by creating this space and creating a space that is truly different, that allows people to show up as their full selves and radiate God's light. As we head into 2021, I pray that we are able to lean on you and that we're able to get through it together and that we're able to get through it by readily conferring our gifts to others and radiating your light that resides within us to others. Amen.